Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Hi, I'm Ben, and this is Faith Radio. Do you find yourself beating yourself up for the mistakes that you've made? Or maybe you're you're struggling. Maybe you're struggling with what you're going through, and maybe you're struggling with something that, that you've been praying about for a really long time. Hmm. For the next 26 minutes, we're here to remind you that God remembers and God forgets. Susie Larson is on Afternoons with Bill Arnold. If you've been listening to Faith Radio for the last hour, you heard her. You get an extra bonus 30 minutes today. We're super excited. Best-selling author, uh, an awesome speaker, Faith Radio show host, amazing sister in Christ. Susie, welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Ben, so good to be with you. And Wyatt, you're a genius producer, so honored to join <laughs> right? your team today. It was right. too easy. It was too easy to set it up this way. Just, just <laughs> wait for the questions he's going to ask you today, Susie. It's unbelievable. Um, but I was I was so interested when when you said you wanted to talk about God remembers, God forgets. Can you unpack that for us right away? You know, it's my favorite chapter in my book, Closer Than Your Next Breath. It's actually the last chapter. And I say that we are so prone, as you said in the open, we're so prone to rehearse the things God has decidedly forgotten. And we're just as apt to forget the things God has distinctly asked us to remember. And so I love that chapter so much. And I open it with the story of a time, you know, many years ago before I was in full-time ministry, I worked in the fitness industry for over a decade in different training and management positions and taught fitness classes and things. And when I uh, had a team of about 30 instructors, there was one that was going through a rough time. And I'd helped her out, but years later, I was speaking at a conference, and she surprisingly showed up at this event, and I didn't at all know her to be a person of faith. We found a place to sit, and she said, Susie, do you remember when I worked for you? I was going through that divorce, and you gave me $100 for groceries. I'm like, no, I, I don't remember that at all, but I do remember every idiotic thing I've ever said and what I was wearing when I said it, you know, <laughs> I remember that really well. And we laughed about it. And that, that's when I realized it's like, isn't that just the way it is that scripture says over and over again, remember God's faithfulness, remember his promises, remember who you are and remember who God is. And yet what do we rehearse and remember all the ways we've fallen down and failed. And uh, so I just thought we could spend some time today to try to find some clarity about what things has God decidedly forgotten that we now need to forget, and what has he asked us to remember? Mm, I love that. Susie Larson's on Afternoons with Bill Arnold, and we're talking about the last chapter of her book, Closer Than Your Next Breath. God remembers, God forgets, and it is so serious, Susie. The last, well, several days, you and I have just been talking and texting back and forth, and I feel like I'm dealing with this spiritual warfare, this exhaustion, and I'm just... The, the things over and over and over again, the mistakes that I've made, I, I can't ask for forgiveness en enough. Um, and it's so interesting that this popped up today about God remembers mm -hmm. and God forgets. And, and let's just let's just go right to Abraham. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, let me say this. This shows God's love for you, Ben, because he's always about his spirit leads us on the path of truth and mm -hmm. he shows us the path of life. And Rob Reamer, who's a regular guest on my show, says the Holy Spirit will never convict you of the same sin twice. Mm. So if you find yourself repeatedly repenting, it's shame. Yeah, it's not the Holy Spirit. For sure. So 
thought that might be. That's Thank for you. free today. I appreciate that, Susie. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Not even, not even my insight, but I thought it's fantastic. <laughs> so, in this last chapter of my in my book, Closer Than Your Next Breath, I look at Abraham, Sarah, and Lot. Mm. I, I just these stories jumped off the page when I was writing this book. So first, let's take Abraham. His body was as good as dead. I want you just to kind of let's just expand because that's what Scripture says. But I want you to imagine in his old age, it takes him forever to go to the bathroom. Sorry, but it just does when you get older, you know, he can't remember where he put his sandals, you know, his body was as good as dead. Mm. That's not prime conditions for a newborn. And yet God promised he'd be the father of many nations, but he laughed and he bowed. So he bowed on the outside, laughed on the inside in the same way, Sarah laughed and then lied about it because she didn't believe either. But Abraham was more prone to faith than Sarah. Sarah tries to preempt an outcome by nagging her husband to sleep with her maidservant so she would get pregnant. I mean, that was the goal. But when she got pregnant and taunted Sarah, Sarah judged Abraham and said, God will decide who's wrong between you and me. I mean, mm. I'm trying to picture Abraham rubbing his temples going, I cannot win here. I mean, imagine <laughs> that. So I'm going to set those two aside for a moment. Then you got Lot. Lot grew wealthy under Abraham's leadership, you know, to the point where because he was under Abraham's tutelage, he learned so much from Abraham and his uncle. And uh, they both grew so wealthy that the herdsmen of these two families began to bicker. It was Abraham who had the humility to take initiative to spare the relationship, even though he was the reason Lot was able to prosper. He took the initiative to say, let's not let this get between us. You take first dibs on the land, pick what you want. I'll take what's left over. That shows Abraham's humility, his maturity, his heart always for unity. And Lot, though, trusted himself. He chose the best land, even though it meant he'd camp among the ungodly. So Sodom and Gomorrah were so wicked that the cries of the vulnerable reached God's ears. So imagine this, Lot camps among the ungodly because it's the best land, even though it's the worst company. The angels arrive at the city gate. Lot's completely distressed because he suddenly realizes these are men of God. They've just entered a wicked city and I live here. So he begged them to come stay at his home because he knew they would not be safe at the city gate. Now, this is where it gets a little bit R-rated, but hang with me here. When word got out that there were new men in town, the mob shows up. This is in scripture. They pound on Lot's door and said, bring these men out so we can have sex with them. What was Lot's response? Oh, please don't do such a thing. I have two virgin daughters. Mm. I'll send them out mm. to do with as you wish. What? What? Now I know hospitality was a very big deal in those days, but how low do you have to stoop to offer your virgin daughters to a ravenous mob? And I just want to pause here in this story. Abraham was willing to offer his son to the Lord. Lot was willing to offer his daughters to the mob. So let's just kind of take a peek inside that scene behind closed doors in Lot's home. Imagine the stress and the chaos. Deplorable men are pounding on the door, begging to have sex with your guests. Your daughters are inside and they hear their own fathers say, take my daughters and do with what you wish. What? Dad? No. What? Now, thankfully, the angels slam the door shut and supernaturally blind the mob and they defuse the situation. But I want you to picture the traumatized daughters looking at their dad, horrified about what was about to destroy their lives. I mean, by God's grace, he spared them from a life-altering trauma. So if the evil in your town is that palpable and the supernatural power in your guests was that tangible, 
Wouldn't you want to quiet your heart and hear what God has to say? But that's not what happened. When the angels warned Lot of the impending judgment, what did he do? He hesitated. When Lot warned his family of the impending judgment, they laughed. In other words, he camped so long amongst the ungodly that he lost his credibility. So if you step back just from the Old Testament and look at these three stories, Abraham, Sarah, Lot, you might think Abraham saved. Sarah might be a poser. I'm not sure. Lot, definitely not. But here's what takes my breath away. You jump to the New Testament. Abraham and Sarah are mentioned in the Hall of Faith in the book of Hebrews. In fact, it says their faith gained them a good reputation. Even today, the drama in their family would have been reputation wreckers, you know? And then you got Lot in Second Peter. It says he was bothered in his soul daily because of the wickedness that surrounded him. Who knew? There was no evidence of that in the Old Testament. Who knew? Guess what? God knew. And so I say, while history records their unflattering antics, heaven remembers their faith. And so that's what I want to say to you listening today. The enemy, one of his greatest weapons is fear. And next to that, a twin brother would be condemnation, shame and condemnation, especially for sensitive spirits who so want to do right and follow God, but they're not going to be perfect. And the thing is, if you could stand before the, the throne of Almighty God, your knees would buckle, not because of shame, but because of awe. Because God has distinctly, decidedly forgotten your sins. He's removed them as far as the East is from the West. And what he's getting ready to reward you with is every act prompted by your faith. Every time you forgave when it didn't suit you, every time you were kind to the person who stabbed you in the back, every time you were humbly willing to accept grace instead of berate yourself in shame. I don't know, um, Wyatt and Ben, I stand in awe of what God forgets and what God remembers. Mm. Susie Larson's on Afternoons with Bill Arnold here on Faith Radio. I don't think I, that I've ever really thought about the fact that God forgets. And, mm. the, and then the, the gift of what you just shared with us right now. I've never really pondered that. The all-knowing God, it's, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, like what you mm -hmm. say, you, you know, I forget who I am, but God never does. You may remember your sins, yeah. but God never does. It, it's unbelievable. It's breathtaking when you yeah. think about it. It really is. And this is the thing, Ben, is because we're prone to wander because we're prone to forget, right? We're prone to wander because we're prone to remember the wrong things. And if enemy can get us rehearsing and rehashing our failures, our foibles, or even rehearsing and rehashing what others have maybe done against us. He knows that on our own, we're just reinforcing our own captivity by the things we're remembering. So this requires our participation and it requires a humility that says, Lord, I'm going to accept acceptance in Jesus name. I'm rejecting rejection and I'm accepting acceptance and I'm embracing the profound truth that I get to be a work in progress mm. without the condemnation, which means you're going to make mistakes. You're going to say things you ought not. You're going to act in ways that are beneath your actual character. And there's new mercies every morning sent to your door because God loves you so much that he's so intent on getting you home safely that he sends new mercies to your door before you even had a chance to blow it. And Ben, if we could be pondering these thoughts, we would know how, what it means to live loved. We would stay in awe. Of his goodness because he's that good and then some hmm. i also love what you say we're children of god safe and secure loved and called our names are written in heaven our sins are at the bottom of the sea god's willingness to forget and his power to remember makes us the most blessed creatures of all creation 
Isn't that something? I think that's why I loved this chapter so much. And then toward the end, I write about prodigals. And, uh, you know, I talk to prodigal parents all the time when I'm out speaking and and they just weep. I mean, especially there's, you know, pastors and other leaders who were so intentional and even hidden people who don't have any kind of public ministry who were so godly and intentional the way they raised their kids, but their kids made their choices. And yet the church at times allows stigmas and condemnation and all those things. And I just say about prodigals, you know, there are prodigals right now, right today, that are camping among the ungodly like Lot. But God knows there's faith in their heart. He sees it. He could wade through all the stuff. And when the time is right, he will bring them back home. Lot's story should encourage all of us Mm. because there are people in our lives that are camping among the ungodly. But I always say heaven knows who's who in the zoo. Mm. (laughs) Heaven knows what's in our heart. And there are some that haven't wandered physically, but they're checked out emotionally and spiritually. So they may still be in the church pew. So may they not look as bad as the prodigal camping among the ungodly, but their hearts have totally wandered. God knows that too, but he loves us so much. He's always on a rescue mission. Mm. Susie Larson is on Afternoons with Bill Arnold today. Closer Than Your Next Breath is the name of the book that we're talking about. Where Where is God when you need him most? I, I love this. Draw near to him. Invite him to work wonders in your life. Listen for his voice. Do what he says. And trust him when you can't see or sense or hear him. He's right there with you even now. And he's committed to leading you every step of the way until you're safely home. More with Susie Larson on Afternoons with Bill Arnold next on Faith Radio. Oh, life can be filled with distractions. I saw a survey that said the average person will look at their phone 320 times a day. This Lent, let's take a moment to step away from all the distractions and let's read the Bible together. You can start this wonderful program called Reading the Bible Together with Us, and you can learn how to better connect with God through His Word and through studying ancient disciplines practiced by Jesus Himself. You can sign up for this free study now at MyFaithRadio.com. Let's spend this season of Lent focusing on our Savior, on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and what fuels our minds and our hearts to be more devoted followers of Jesus. Again, sign up for the free study now at MyFaithRadio.com. Susie Larson's on Afternoons with Bill Arnold today on Faith Radio. My name is Ben, and here's what she said. She said, you may occasionally forget who you are, but God never does. You may remember your sins ad nauseum, but but God never does. He remembers why he made you and how he made you. God knows what makes you laugh and what makes you cry. He knows what fires you up and what breaks your heart. He loves the masterpiece he crafted in you. God remembers his covenant to you. He remembers his promises. He knows where you're weak, and he gives you the strength you need when you need it most. Susie, thank you for sharing the story. And by the way, if you're just listening to Faith Radio for the first time this afternoon, and Afternoons with Bill Arnold, this is a conversation you're going to want to go back and listen to again. The way you just uh, told the story of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah was a way I had never looked at it before. And, and the whole heart of this conversation is that God remembers and God forgets. And from somebody who's struggling with trying to surrender, again, isn't so crazy how you experience God and then you find yourself in trying to hold on and then 
and then struggling to surrender again. But I'm just so grateful about your heart to want to help us stay out of the ditches of despair. Yeah. Thank you. Such an honor to be here. And I, I love God's timing. And it just, if someone's listening today and you're saying this was for me, I want you to really pause and say, this really was for me. I want you to picture yeah. a gift from God with your name on it, with a gift tag, you know, to you from God. Because sometimes we might say that, but we know, don't let it in to say, wow, this, this was for me. I mean, God loved me so much that he had me stumble upon the dial or listen, not expecting to get a word in due season. That says nothing about me. I'm saying that's everything about the Father's love for you. And I think one of the ways that you stay out of the ditch of despair is to tether every good gift in your life to a God who meticulously knows you and miraculously provides for you. And when you start to do that, when you start to see gift tags on every good gift in your life, and you say, it's not just counting my blessings, I'm actually tethering that gift to a father who's been very intentional about the way he's loved me. It will help you to know that you're more secure than you ever know. And uh, so I did write down a few things just to help us stay out of the ditch of despair, because we will end up in the ditch of despair if we're wrongly rehearsing uh, things that God has asked us to forget. And if we're forgetting the things God has asked us to remember. So another way to stay out of the ditch is, I say this, it's from scripture, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And that sounds like a very religious statement, but the best way to say it is worship is one of the highest forms of warfare. And I'll tell you, there's something about worship music, and it's not just listening background music. It's engaging your heart and saying, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. When you engage your heart and soul with the words that you're singing, something changes in the spiritual realm. When you phone it in, when you go through the motions, and I'm, there's no shame here, but how many of us have been in worship on a Sunday morning while we're you know, sorting through the grocery list in our head? When you're going through the motions, much like Abraham did, where he bowed, but then he laughed, we all have disconnects like that because we know our way maybe around the church or the Bible or the Christian lingo where you're saying one thing, but you're truly believing another. When there's a disconnect, that's when the enemy can get in and cause despair. So one of the best ways to close that gap is really truly heartfelt worship. And, you know, I remember uh, this has happened a few times where Kevin and I were brokenhearted about something. And so what we did is we put, you know, AirPods, we shared the same AirPod set. So I had one in my ear, he had one in his, and we put on an old Stephen Curtis Chapman playlist because Stephen Curtis Chapman sung us through our hardest, hardest battles with my Lyme and Kev's cancer. So we just held hands and went for a walk and listened to that music. And it reminded us, Ben, we not only have a history with each other and with God, we have a, a future with him too. So I can't say enough about Worship is one of the highest forms of warfare. The enemy comes at you, put your arms in the air, sing to the Lord because he inhabits the praises of his people. Another thing is to put on the full armor of God. Ephesians 6 talks all about it. And I once did a kind of a word by word study on the armor. And the one that jumped out at me, Ben, is Ephesians 6, 16. It's the shield of faith. And it says it blocks every fiery dart of the enemy. And one of the words, the, the original words in the original translation is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. So in other words, when you start getting hit with despair, with condemnation, all the stuff that's not from God, consider those fiery arrows. Put your shield up and say no. And literally what happens in the spiritual realm is you create a dynamic explosion because you block the fiery darts. I don't think we fully understand what God is, how he's equipped us to win in our battles. So learn a bit more about the shoes of peace. 
the breastplate of righteousness. It's all the places where the enemy tries to go after us in our calling, in our right standing, in our mindset. You need the armor of God. Another one very practically, Ben, is to go work out, do something different that takes you out of your current headspace. That's always just a great thing to do. Here's another one that's helped me personally because I've been guilty of this at times, but refuse to accumulate your sorrows and then sit in them all at once. When I go through long stretches of not feeling well, I would count the long stretch. How many days, how many weeks, how many months, how many years have I gone, you know, without a symptom-free day? And that would just cause so much weight. And so instead, I would accumulate my blessings instead of my sorrows. Um, here's another one. Reach out to someone who has it tougher than you. Because you know someone who does. Reach out to them, pray for them, maybe send them an audio text. Here's another one, tempting, hard to do, but refuse to read between the lines. So don't be borrowing tomorrow's trouble on today's strength. Don't connect dots and draw a wrong conclusion. The enemy is baiting you into doing that all the time. Refuse to take things personally, even if they're meant that way. Let God minister to your heart. People might mean things personally. They may say, I, my problem is with you. But the thing is, they don't get to decide who you are. They're not the ones transforming you from the inside out. So even if it's meant personally, get to God, get with him and let him speak personally to your heart. Here's a few more. Interrupt me if you need to um, know that God or know that some people look at you and wish they had your life. Mm. So even on your worst day, there are people watching you wishing they had your life. Just know that, that, that you're stronger than, you know, you have it better than, you know, but everybody walks through tough times. Give love time to do its work. When you love the, the unlovable, when you feel like there's constant clash or opposition or misunderstanding, you know, the enemy is so behind distortions where he'll take our well-meaning intentions and he'll twist them and, you know, they'll land on an offended heart and those kinds of things. He was doing that all the time. And that's why we've got to be so submitted to God. So give love time to do its work because love is always the highest order of the day. Susie, Trust God with things you can't. I was just going to say, Susie, and, and feel free to continue down going through these, but I want to just very quickly circle back to the very first one that you mentioned, which was worship, because I was thinking about this the other day, and when you go to church, you're always worshiping before you spend time in God's Word, right? Because it puts you in the right, right. mindset. Yet we don't mm -hmm. do that in our daily lives, right? We try to read devotions, yeah. we try to read mm -hmm. Scripture, and we're not doing this. And really, when you're worshiping, you're surrendering to God and praising Him and saying, you're my one and only King and Savior, and yet we fail to do that on our walk daily. So that really is what it comes down to, though, right? It's just surrendering to him and giving him these battles because we can't defeat the enemy on our own. We need him. Oh, so good. And I, I, I'm glad you circled back there, Wyatt, because I've got a friend who's walking through a health crisis that looks like it could be a devastating diagnosis for her, but she's like, I'm not having it. <laughs> and so she is just standing in faith, but what she has added to her morning time, she calls it her hour of power, where she spends an extra hour every day because she's fighting for her life. She's on her knees in worship for an extra hour a day. <laughs> and she said, God is extracting every bit of fear from her. Yeah. She's like, I'm more fearless than I've ever been. And because I'm fighting some of my own battles, I've been doing that, Why not in the hour of power like, but I'm, I'm mm -hmm. just trimming the fat of my day. Instead of scrolling, I'm worshiping. Mm -hmm. Instead of, you know, searching, I'm worshiping. So I'll take 10, 15 minutes, put on a playlist, get on my knees and just remind my soul who God is and thank him that he is who he is. I can't even tell you 
what it's done from my perspective. So I'm glad you circled back to that. Amen. Amen. Mm. Somebody got text me an amen. Yeah. I know it's not my show, but I got to <laughs> say No, it. text yeah. them. Let's go. I'll text you personally, Susie, right now. <laughs> <laughs> Susie Larson's on Afternoons so with I just Bill have... Arnold on Faith Radio. Yeah. And I, I'm so grateful. And I hate to jump in, too. I was watching this um, this documentary, The Case for Heaven, the Lee Strobel documentary over the weekend. Mm. And he said yes. he was he was talking to Luis Palau before Luis Palau de- uh, uh, passed away. And he said on his deathbed, he was being attacked by Satan, saying that his whole life was useless, he didn't do anything, and he's probably not going to go to heaven, and all of these things. And and so I just, mm. I just what you said here in, in this, what we're talking about today, that some of God's precious children will cross the, cross the finish line, still tempted by their addictions. Others will stumble over the finish line, burned out, stressed out, under attack. Um, and I'm just so grateful that today you're reminding us of the presence of God and how God remembers but God forgets yeah. at the same time. Yeah. That's such an important point. I'm so glad you remembered to bring that up. I was hoping I would remember it as well. But the idea that some are going to be stumbling over the finish line, exhausted. Others are going to be bold and strong. Some are going to be still addicted until they see Jesus. Others still captive to fear and still that till they see Jesus. Right. And then we're all running this race in a different way. And so there needs to be an understanding of absolute grace and love that he's getting his children home. So my last three that I'll just throw your way is trust God with the things you can't control. Easier said than done, but it is an act of faith every day. Last, a second to the last, refuse to be a victim because you're a victor. And finally, the last is trust God to heal the parts of you that need healing. And we all need healing. Mm. Susie Larson on Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio. I, I love all of those those um, things that will help us. I do wonder, and sometimes this is kind of what I practice is a gratitude, an attitude of gratitude, but to also um, exercise my mind, my body, and my soul to be happy and healthy in my mind, body, and my soul. And if I'm not worshiping, uh, and if I'm I'm not right in my relationships with God and, and with people, um, and if I'm not moving my body. Uh, I find myself in these situations where I, f- I find myself in despair, in the ditch of despair, and, and then humbling yourself, surrendering yourself, serving other people. And, and the long list of, of suggestions that you gave today are so helpful that point us right back to God and get us out of ourselves, right? That's the, that's the most important mm-hmm. thing because in the ditch of despair and then, you know, the spiritual warfare and the, the lies of the devil and the enemy are are just coming at you because he knows you're weak and he knows you're vulnerable. But then when we hold close to God, and, and one of my favorite things that, that you taught me is um, God's love draws us close, but it's Jesus' blood that washes away our sin. And it, it's Jesus' yeah. blood that pushes away the devil. And it's heaven that rewards our steps of obedience. Yeah. If we can just, if that can be our only takeaway today, history may record your antics. You may have other Christians who have an account against you. They remember when you did, when you said, Mm. it does not matter because heaven gets the deciding vote and heaven has cast its vote by sending Jesus for you. If you are saved, you know what? Heaven remembers your faith. Heaven remembers your faith. Things you've forgotten, heaven has remembered. And there's a day coming where you will, your faith will become sight and you'll be blown away by the things that God has remembered that you did for love's sake, for faith's sake. So be encouraged, friend. Even, you know, your fiercest enemy has no power. No demon in hell has any power to derail who you're becoming because of Jesus. Mm. Susie Larson, Larson, every moment with you is a gift. Thank you. This is Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio.
All right. Raise your hand if you like to suffer. Nobody? Nobody's raising your hand, really? There's a lot to learn from suffering. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame. Yeah, suffering's no fun, is it? Hi, I'm Ben. This is Faith Radio. Afternoons with Bill Arnold today. We're having a conversation with Jeff King, and he's written this book called The Whisper. Jeff is the International Christian Concern President. And this devotional is called The Whisper. It's Lessons of Renewal Whispered from the Prisons of the Persecuted Church. It's a 30-day devotional. Jeff, welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. Mm. We're so grateful. Tell me about this. We hear as Christians about the persecuted church. I'm sure anyone that's listened to Faith Radio has heard about the persecuted church why would you write a devotional about the persecuted church? Why would you sit with us every single day, give us a little nugget every single day? What what can we learn from this? Yeah, so l- let me unpack the backstory then. Okay. Um, you know, years ago, um, I was with Campus Crusade for Christ and for 11 years. I, I came out of corporate and mortgage banking, got called into ministry 11 years of Campus Crusade running around the world. And and uh, so at the end of that time, the Lord called me into International Christian Concern to serve the persecuted through a miraculous dream. I mean, it's crazy, right? And so I land, uh, so to speak, you know, into this organization. And uh, I didn't know, I had done a lot of international ministry, but I didn't know a ton about persecution. And but during those early days, the Lord kept whispering to me, um, and it was continually a message of, I want you to learn the lessons of the persecuted. I want you to learn the lessons of the martyrs. They're not just for you. I want you to shout them. And, you know, he didn't say this way, but if I had to package what he said, it was like, listen, learn, and shout. And um, so I'm like, all right, you know, so I look around. I'm like, well, what do I got to learn? And I'll I'll do it. Well, it, the whole thing, it honestly took about 10 years, but but during those early days, I go to China and I ask for a meeting with pastors that had spent a long, ter- a long time in prison. And so I spent an afternoon with five to six pastors, and it was men and women, and they had been in prison for the longest one, 24 years, the shortest one, 10 years, and, and mm. in concentration camps. And it was such a gift the, the whole time. And I'll, I'll give you just a couple of the high points that remain. And, I, and one of the questions I asked him, I said, tell me about persecution. And these guys had suffered so much. And they said, persecution is a gift. And one eyebrow went up and I'm from the big city. I'm from D.C. And I'm like, uh, Okay. And I'm like, is this good marketing? What it, you know? And they said, it's not a gift you'd ever give any anybody. It's not a gift you would ever want, but it is a gift because it breaks down our self-reliance, our self-strength. It makes us connected and dependent on the Lord. And I was like, wow. And that really started to rattle around my brain and it did for years. But then after that, I said, okay, now, this is, you know, again, this is, I'm just telling you a couple gems from a couple hour conversation. I said, what's your biggest worry? And they said, our biggest worry is that the pastors that we are mentoring have not been hunted, 
and arrested and tortured and murdered like we were. They said, that's our biggest worry. And you connect those two, their biggest worry was because that they're not as broken. They're not as dependent. And so the spirit does not flow as much. That was their biggest worry. But it comes from that, that whisper. And, you know, I, it's like I said, you know, I came from Campus Crusade. And I'm really, honestly, at, at heart, I'm an evangelism guy. I'm a, re, I'm a revival guy. And I said, Lord, why did you put me in this odd little place of persecution? It's like most people don't care about it. It's very hard to deal with. You're, you're looking at some very dark stuff. And, and it seems like the message of the persecuted is all about death. But it, I, I saw it's about life. It's not about death at all. And, and as I began to analyze, like I said, it probably took me about 10 years. But over time, I, I began to understand something and why the Lord was saying to shout this, so to speak. And it's because, you know, now we're not persecuted for our faith. We're beginning. But what we're experiencing here in the States is persecution light. And there's a there's a trajectory, but we're not experiencing the heavy stuff yet. And yet many, many, most of us have been in prison. But we've been in prison for different things. It's for anxiety. Mm. And we've been in the prison of divorce, um, bankruptcy being fired, marriage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's a universal and, and persecution is nothing but intense suffering. And, and, and so the, the persecuted figured out, they figure out how to go through the long darkness. They find where the candle is. And in decades of starvation, they find the hidden manna. And these are the lessons for all of us. We all need that because we, we are sentenced to these prisons, but we don't have the strength to endure them, do we? It's, there's too much. We don't like suffering. And yet the persecuted are teaching us that suffering is not a destination. It's a door to transformation. And in fact, the Lord cannot take us to where he wants to take us unless it's accompanied with suffering, because again, it's a door to transformation. Wow. Jeff, that is one of the most profound things I have ever heard in just six minutes. Um, <clears throat> Follow-up questions, a million of them. First of all, I love what you said about, you know, we're all kind of, we find ourselves in our own prison of life. Yeah. Um, but the connection that I find so profound then is, is the, unbelievable spiritual transformation from great suffering. I mean, yeah. and and then the gift, the fact that it's not a gift you'd give somebody, but a tremendous gift. So if somebody right now is going through here in America, their own prison, and they're saying the why me, why God, instead of yeah. thank you? <laughs> the thank you is hard. Oh my gosh, that's hard, but it's so key. I think you just really landed on something. And, and I'll tell you something that I've come to understand and, and see. Um, and the moment, the deepest moment of transformation in our suffering uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, comes, look, our, our deepest inclination is to escape when we are suffering. Anyone listening, I, I speak in your heart, I know you're deepest desires to escape with all you have. It's all you think about. How do I get out of this box? How do I get out of this prison cell? 
And but the radical prescription to end your suffering really is to reach out to your cell door and to close it from the inside and to close it shut and to say, Father, I will be here as long as you need me to be here. If this is from you, that's the key. If this is from you, I will be here as long as you want me to. I give everything to you. Teach me what you're trying to teach me. I want to be transformed. Fill me with you. That is the transformational moment. And in fact, I can't tell you how many times when uh, brothers and sisters I've talked to, and they're in horrible circumstances in prison being tortured, and they reach that point, and that's when, so to speak, the prison door opens. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Wow. Jeff King is our guest. He's written this book called The Whisper, Lessons of Renewal Whispered from the Prisons of the Persecuted Church, a 30-day devotional. He had the gall to say that intense suffering that he learned is an unbelievable gift, and we're talking about that today. It, Jeff, uh, you it mentioned this dream that completely changed your life back in 2003. Don't think I forgot about that. You you kind of glossed over it at the beginning of our conversation. You said God, God gave you a dream that completely changed your life, drew you into this international Christian concern where you're, you're um, talking to, ministering, learning from the persecuted church and, and the martyrs. Yeah. Tell me about this most amazing dream. All right. Do we have 30 minutes to unpack? <laughs> <laughs> Can you do it in four? Okay. Well, let's, so I, you know, like I said, I was with Campus Crusade for 11 years. And, and in Campus Crusade or crew now, you have to raise your own financial support. And, at the, and it had always been easy. And the Lord had told me he would take care of it. And then probably about year nine, it all started to fall apart. And I was making absolutely nothing. I mean, you're not getting rich as a missionary, but then <laughs> and I was making absolutely nothing and could not figure what was going on. And, um, and, and so then one day I'm out in California and I'm, I'm doing meetings with the Jesus film. So I'm based out of Orlando running around the world, but I go to California meetings with the Jesus film and we're in a retreat center. So what I'm about to tell you is the dream. So I, in this dream during the night, I'm talking to an imaginary businessman. I call him Bill. I'm talking to him on the phone and I decided to go buy his business and go buy his business. And his home is in this prototypical old 1940s home from Silver Spring, Maryland, which is pretty much where I'm from. And so all his workers are standing outside and I, I pull up in the car and I roll down the window and I say, Hey, where's Bill? And they're like, Bill's gone. I said, Oh, well, where is he? I was just talking to him. They said, no, he's gone, gone. He dropped dead. We, you know, he's not here. I said, he's not dead. I was just talking to him. Yes, he is. No, he's not. We're arguing back and forth. And then in the dream, they get all agitated. They say, I'm telling you, he's dead. He dropped dead. We're really scared. Do you want to run the business? And I'm like, I don't know. And that's all I knew about the dream. I mean, there was nothing more. And it's, it's not especially weird. You know, it's just a dream. So then I wake up and I'm again, I'm out on the West Coast. And the East Coast old friend has called. So I call her back and she says, listen, my husband and I are connected with an organization and they're founder just dropped dead and all i can think is you're the guy that's supposed to run this thing are you interested and i was like oh my gosh because i'm like anybody else stumbling through life you know we're trying to do discern discern uh the path and you know the lord's direction and most of the time we're kind of guests and say father you steer me the other way if i'm going the wrong way so that you know i'm completely normal 
So that was quite traumatic. And the, the funny thing is, I always tell people, it's like, it's not like you can call up the board and say, hey, guys, I had the dream. You're supposed to hire me. That doesn't work very well. <laughs> so I had to wait a couple months and then they hired me. And I, I was like, guys, I've been dying to tell you something. And then I told them the dream. And they were pretty excited. Wow. Thank you for, for sharing that. Uh, the book is called The Whisper. God is doing great things and he wants to speak to you and use you. And Jeff King is sharing his story. It's a 30-day devotional, Lessons of Renewal Whispered from the Prisons of the Persecuted Church. He said some things that maybe have raised your eyebrows. Here's another one. We're going to ask him about this one coming up next, about God's beef with you. What is your biggest spiritual problem? It's not sin. You may be surprised to hear it. Jeff King's on Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio. This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Hey, Faith Radio is celebrating 75 years of bringing faith to life. That's right. We are 75 this year. So to celebrate, we are giving away 75 Faith Radio birthday boxes packed with all kinds of fun things to help you grow in your walk of faith. And yes, celebrate with us. So we're going to be celebrating the birth and growth and future of Faith Radio all year long. And you are an integral part of the Faith Radio family, and so we want to send you a gift. How fun is that? This is our birthday song. It isn't very long. So to enter to win a Faith Radio birthday box today, come to MyFaithRadio.com. Jeff King's on Afternoons with Bill Arnold on Faith Radio. His inspiring stories, incredible experiences, and passion for the persecuted church. And persecuted Christians make him such an insightful and compelling voice. You've probably heard it over the last 15 minutes. And if you haven't, you're just tuning in right now. You're, this is one of those you're going to want to go back and listen to again. And you can do that at MyFaithRadio.com or with the free Faith Radio app. Just text the word app to 877-933-2484. Jeff's written this book. Uh, it's called The Whisper. Lessons of the Renewal Whispered from the Prisons of the Persecuted Church. He told us stories about people in prison in China that said the greatest gift they've ever been given is to be persecuted. You've, you've told us a story about the dream that God gave you that was absolutely left me speechless. We had to take a break. It was, it was crazy. Now, now let's go to this. You say that God has beef with you. <laughs> and and what, what is our biggest spiritual problem? It's not sin. What is the beef that God has with us? Yeah, and and I don't want to minimize our problem with sin. I mean, it's there. God's concerned. Right. You know, our God is a holy God. Amen. Um, so it, just to make sure, you know, the hackles don't go up, you know, too quickly on some <laughs> people's back. So, but that's not our core problem. Um, you think about, um, think about the Lord and what is he trying to do? in this world and to, you want to pull back to the 10,000 foot level and you, you think back to the fall and we don't have a lot of information, but we, what we do have, it says that we were connected with him. We walked with God. We had connection with him. We were eternal. And then we blew everything up and that relationship was broken and we were thrown out of, we were condemned to death. 
and we were con- we were condemned to die and to walk outside of fellowship to walk with without that connection and so we're so adrift we are all lost and we feel something at a very deep level that we have fallen from a great height that this is should be there should be more to this life um there's something greater what we're missing something right and so god is on a great mission to restore us to that place he is you know, when he landed, when Jesus landed and when he was crucified and brought the spirit, that was D-Day. So that was the beginning of the world war and the Lord dropping down to earth with his with his troops and the spirit starts to spread. Jesus brings the spirit and he's restoring his nature is the opposite of Satan. Satan is steal, kill and destroy. God uh, is to give. Uh, he He creates, he gives, he restores. He regenerates. And that's everyone listening. We know the stories from our own life and from those who have come to the faith, who've come to find God's spirit. He restores us. But we're so often we're acting as buckets. You know, we just take what we're given and then we just think of our life in terms of us. But so that's his mission. That's his mission. And for that mission to succeed, he must flow through us out into the world. And but there's the rub. So our problem is that we're so self-sufficient and you can there's some great writing on this from uh, Watchman, Watchman Knees, Lieutenant. Oh, gosh, what was I just went blank on his name. But look for Watchman Knees, Lieutenant, who actually escaped to Taiwan. And, and our, our biggest problem is our self-reliance. God can't get into us. He can't get out of us. And so this is, it goes back to the persecution as a gift theme. And so what happens is then when, when we are sentenced to these prisons, uh, when we have to endure our great, our trials and our great suffering, then we're broken. And then we finally we finally cry out. We're hungry. We're desperate. Finally. And then, too, we are willing to trade all these things we're living for, these idols we live for. We're finally willing to trade them because he's, he's continually on a mission to trade with us and to, and to take away our little things that we think are treasure and to trade them for Jesus. And we do this more and more. And this is, this is the path he's walking us on. And, and the suffering is so key to that. So for him to for him to be released, uh, it comes through the cracks in our beings. We are filled with the water of his spirit, but it's encased. And until we crack and break, it doesn't flow out and get to the world around us. Hmm. Jeff King on Afternoons with Bill Arnold. My name is Ben, and you're listening to Faith Radio. Why is it so often that that we are so self-reliant, we get so caught up into ourselves, and then we break like you're talking about, and then we're so desperate for God, mm-hmm. and then he puts us back together, and then we find ourselves mm-hmm. in the same trap again. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy, that's just that's just life, isn't it? I get and I I trust me, I hear that question a lot as I talk about these things, and and trust me, that is a very familiar question for me internally, just like it is you and for everybody listening. Um, this is just our human condition that we love to be self-reliant. We pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we live for our idols. We live 
An idol is a thing you live for or try to live through, through you get power from it. And these are just deep, deep problems with the human condition. They're always there. And the Lord is always trying to free us from them, you know, to trade our little treasures for the great treasure and to, and to become connected again. And when we're connected, then he flows through us and he's flowing out into the world. Um, so yeah, but it's a great question. Well, yeah, we just want to stay connected. I mean, I was just praying with my daughter this morning and saying, God, please forgive us our sins and help us to stop sinning. Help <laughs> us to stop doing what I don't want to do. But yet I fall into temptation all the time. And oh, it's so gosh. frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Get back to me when that works. It doesn't. But I'm just I still beg. I still plead. <laughs> God, help me. Oh, of course. Help yeah, me. You and me. Yeah. Oh. Jeff King, thank you for um, for answering my questions um, and just having this conversation today. Uh, before we go, I think we're down to you know three minutes, two or three minutes. Can you tell us another story? Um, you know, you you basically had a mic drop moment. You were talking in you were in China. You were talking to people that have been in prison for you know almost as long as some of the people that we work with have been alive. Um, and they said the greatest gift was the persecution that they were going through. They would never give it to anybody else. But it was the greatest gift they've ever been given. Can you lay on us um, what else you've learned while you study and have conversations with the martyred and persecuted church and, and the reason yeah. I wrote this book? Yeah, well, and first of all, in the book, you know, I'm taking these lessons and I kind of embed them into the stories. I don't right. just say, hey, here's lesson number one and number two. And they're all in the stories yeah. because it, it, it comes with revelation. But there's a number of stories that are connected with the same thing. And I kind of wrap it up near the end. And it's and it took me a long time to see this. If you do persecution ministry for 20 years, you can get pretty depressed. I'll tell you what, you see a lot of really horrible things. Um, and it's so discouraging. You're like, how can we ever win this war? It says we're going to win. I know you're it's true. I know, Lord, you're faithful. But how? And then I saw it and I saw I could see all of church history. I see everything that's happening now. And I just want to encourage people, you know, you look around and whatever we're going through as a church, there's nothing new under the sun. We faced it all before. And you look around the world and I see it even in the micro in the last 40 years. Look at Iran, look at Cuba, look at China. And these horrible people come to power, ravenous wolves, and they shred the church and destroy it and they crush it and they rape and murder and pillage. And they're fully intent on strangling the faith. And then what happens? The faith explodes. And it's because it's not us. The church is eternal. It is his. He is the church. And there's no stopping him. And I'm telling you, people just need to be encouraged. And they need to understand that the more the church is pressed on, the more it spreads. It's such an encouraging story. Mm, what a time to be alive. Jeff King. He's written this devotional, and it will give you insight. It will change your life. It's changed his. You heard it for the last 25 minutes. It's called The Whisper Listens of Renewal Whispered from the Prisons of the Persecuted Church, a 30-day devotional. Jeff King, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing um, your faith with us and your stories with us on Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Ben, what a pleasure it was to be with you. Mm. God bless you. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.